Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, on our NFL edition of the podcast by my co host and partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven. Runs our podcast account at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, good to have you back, my man. I'm just glad you're not the latest running back for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> yeah, right. I could have been. I was close, sure? right? You know, I figured they had something up their sleeves. It feels like a lot just seeing the picks coming out, but, you know, they address the need and they feel like they're one of the better teams in the NFL, and I, I can't really argue that. I think I would agree. Bad loss to the Falcons, but overall, I think they're one of the better teams. Yeah, I think they're definitely the top threat to the Eagles right now in the NFC. And I think it'll be interesting over the next 10 days just how many teams in the NFC try and take advantage of the wide-open nature of the conference right now. I mean, you have the Eagles, who I think are you know legit, very good, Everybody's looking up at them in the standings. Uh, but, you know, w- what does a team like the Giants do? What does a team like the Cowboys do? Outside also, of the division, Minnesota, how aggressive do they get? These teams that are in the playoff picture, uh, but, you know, aren't maybe as uh, eye-appealing as the Eagles of late. It'll just be it interesting weird, how they value their own positioning. Is it weird that we were really high on the Niners at 3-3? Three and three? We're not really talking about, you know, like the Vikings, like, are they going to make a move? But 
we're higher on the Niners. You're saying they're threats of the Eagles, which I completely agree. I think the Niners are one of the better teams in the NFC. Does that speak to how down the conference is overall? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think coming into the year, and I think the reason why we had this kind of lopsided nature of the two conferences in the NFL was because the NFC, other than the Eagles, I think a lot of the top teams in the conference had a lot of concerns at quarterback. You have aging quarterbacks, injured quarterbacks. I mean, you heard the the Stafford elbow stuff wasn't a good sign for the Rams. Brady and Rodgers, obviously, at their advanced ages. Offensive line problems, which we knew about for the Rams and the Bucks, And, you know, th- that was why I was bullish on the Eagles. I think a lot of people were because they always have a strong offensive line. And the questions about their quarterback were just how good he is, not, you know, if he's aging or anything. It was just the opposite. And Jalen Hurts has taken that leap. So I just think with the other teams in the NFC, you had – aging rosters and decaying offensive lines in the case of the Rams too, without Odell Beckham jr. There, uh, you know, you're down a weapon on an offense that lost Robert Woods in the off season. And uh, you know, there's just not much explosion there. So you start just kind of crossing off a lot of teams based on the fact that the, those top teams, Rams, Bucks, Packers have all kind of, underachieved significantly and then you're left with in terms of the non-eagle teams in the nfc you're left with san fran you're left with minnesota you're left with maybe dallas i still don't think the giants are any good we'll get to them in a minute but they do beat the ravens so uh it just feels like all the concerns for the other top teams in the nfc have proved to be valid concerns and in a shallow conference to begin with, it feels even shallower. That's how I would explain it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, I think if you're not in the NFC East, then you should definitely make a move. I think all these conferences are Yeah, let's are stop, by the way. RIP NFC East jokes. I'm sure everybody had fun with it the last three or four years, but... <laughs> the NFC least? Yeah. I still think we can throw out the Giants. They're not an actual contender. Well, that's a perfect segue into how we're going to get started here on our week seven edition of Full Slate as we'll run through every game side total wise and share some thoughts. And we'll we'll begin with the New York football Giants traveling down to Duval to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It is the Jags, a three point favorite, a total of 43. And gosh, we talk often, Alex, about square dogs. And there may not be a squarer one this week than the New York Giants when you see a five and one team catching points against a two and four team. And you know, not only is it a five and one team catching points against a two and four team, but it's a five and one team in a big market like New York. You know, there's going to be a bunch of Yankee giant parlays out there at every sports book on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I I think there's probably a lot of people, a lot of New Yorkers that are are drinking the Kool-Aid or running to, back the Giants with their cash as well. So with all that said, uh, when I saw this line, I knew I was going to be on the Jags because I love, love, love the stinky favorites. And, uh, you know, the Jags are certainly uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on that front. And, you know, I will say this about Jacksonville. Uh, Maybe it's a little early for must wins. and, And this is a Jags team that I still only had a season, I think had a season win number of five and a half or six. So it's not as if in the first year with Doug Peterson, 
there were serious expectations of making the playoffs. But it's it's funny how quickly that narrative changed for Jacksonville when they went to SoFi Stadium and blew the doors off the Chargers 38 to 10 in week three. And they were sitting at two and one in a division in which the Chargers, excuse me, the Colts and Titans had gotten off to slow starts. All of a sudden, as I said, that narrative changed a bit. And I think some people thought, oh, maybe Jacksonville is for real in this division. And Jacksonville has looked more like the Jacksonville we've all come to know the last 15 years or so, the last couple weeks, albeit spotty conditions in Philly, monsoon with the hurricane remnants uh, getting up into the mid-Atlantic northeast. And don't area. don't forget that the, the Jags were up 14 nothing. It's a great point. They early on that Eagles They got off to a good start there. Uh, but, you know, the weather conditions in that game, as I said, kind of resulted in wet footballs. Trevor Lawrence turned the ball over with a couple of fumbles. Uh, they absolutely laid an egg uh, in, in week five. No two ways about it against the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, and uh, so then you look at uh, last week as well for the Jags. And y- 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 there's definitely an element of kind of get right that maybe, you know, because they scored 27 against the Colts. So it feels like offensively uh, they may have found a few more things to build off of into this game. And, uh, you know, I think the point I'm making about, I don't want to call it a must win for a team that didn't have any expectations coming into the year. Having said that, I think there's probably still a belief that they can make something out of 2022 and at least give them a chance to hang around the rest of the season. If that's going to happen, they're going to need this game because they've lost three in a row. It's important, I think, for them to stop the bleeding and to get back to three and four. And again, in the in the AFC South, three and four keeps you in it. So I think you're going to get a desperate Jags team here. And I also think there's a Giants hangover element here. And you could certainly have made this argument about the Giants off some of their previous wins. Alex, we talk a lot about underdog Danny Dines, particularly in that five to eight point range, how he's so good in that, you know, touchdown neighborhood. And he delivered as, you know, winning the game outright against Baltimore last week. But gosh, it sure feels like this could be the hangover spot. I think of all the Giants wins, last week was the most impressive one. Now they're going to Jacksonville, playing a team that's lost three in a row, two and four overall, the Jags. Not sure the the Giants are going to start losing games. And I do think there could be some fat and happy giant here. So I will lay the three and back the Jags. Yeah, you mentioned Danny Dimes as an underdog. 13 and four as a road underdog. But I'm I'm definitely buying what you're selling. I love the Jags this week. I think right when that number came out at Jacksonville favored by three against a team you know, that's winning a lot of games, five and one, just very much overperforming. This is where you have to back Jacksonville. We look at these teams, it feels like the Giants have been getting very lucky. Well, Alex, it just feels like the Giants do, it's the same game script, right? It's good defense, it's Danny Dimes playing mistake-free football, and it's Saquon and run the ball fairly well plays on offense. Exactly. That's the Absolutely. And that kind of lands right into the hand of Jacksonville. They're six in the NFL in average rushing yards allowed per game. 
And then the Giants are 26th in the NFL in average rushing yards allowed per game. Jacksonville has two pretty strong running backs. I think they're going to run the ball very consistently. I don't think the Giants are going to be able to run the ball on this Jacksonville team. Jags are one of the more stout defenses, which is very surprising. Like you mentioned, this is kind of the season where they're just trying to figure it out. And it feels like they have on defense, surprisingly. Doug Peterson really coaching them up. They're definitely overperforming earlier. They've taken a little bit of a crash, but like we always like to preach, no team is, you know, as bad or as good as their last win or loss. And this just feels like a perfect zigzag spot where the Giants are off a complete high. Jacksonville's absolutely dead. When we thought, you know, two weeks ago, they were one of the better teams. Yeah, we're like Jags plus seven against the Chargers, and I don't even think it's easy. It wasn't. They killed them. No, they absolutely smashed them. A little sprinkle on the outright. I mean, that was a great spot. I think this is also a great spot for Jacksonville. I, I love the three. So a strong agreement there on the Jaguars to uh, get a much-needed victory and uh, improve to three and four out of the gate here on full slate. Let's move forward and go to the nation's capital where the Washington Commanders host the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, a four-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 41-and-a-half. And, Alex, I think the Commanders are going to have to start paying us royalties for the amount of free advertising we give them on this podcast because it's we just every find, week. It's every week. And it's always a different reason that we find a way to back Washington. And we're on him again here at home as a dog catching four in the hook. Uh, and, and honestly, this is much more of a fade of Green Bay than it is a buy of Washington. I'll get to the Washington angle that I'm looking at in a minute here. But Green Bay is just broken. I mean, ever since they let the London game get away against the Giants, they've just played atrocious football. In the second half against the Giants, and four pretty bad quarters against the New York Jets last week, and and the Jets have been one of the more pleasant surprises, I think, in the NFL. And Robert Sala has plenty of receipts, and I'm sure he'll, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for that press conference when he just, you know, reads them all after they like clinch the playoffs if that happens this year. But regardless, the Packers are a broken unit right now offensively. And simply put, that's not a team you want to give up any points with, much less more than a field goal with. And they were seven-point favorites against the Giants, lost outright. Seven-point favorites against the Jets, lost outright. And by the way, the Giant game was on a neutral field and the Jet game was at home. Now they opened four, five-and-a-half-point road chalk here. It's down to four and a half. We still like it because we talked a little bit before we jumped on about five being a bit of a, bit of a dead number. And I think you're good here down to plus three with Washington. Uh, again, on the basis that until Green Bay starts to look like itself again, as I said, it's a broken team on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense isn't bad, but this isn't Tampa Bay. This isn't, uh, you know, Rams even, you know, it's not one of New England's played really well defensively the last few weeks. Uh, it's not a defense at Dallas. You know, this isn't a defense that's that good. So there's way too many red flags to give up four and a half points with against any NFL team right now with the Packers. 
And then Washington, they do get a win. And I don't know if you're if you're a player for and you live in this area, but if you're a player for the commanders, are you able to almost like is there so much Daniel Snyder shit that goes on to where you like you're almost numb to it and just block it out? Like I I, I feel like it's sometimes it it initially you would think it's a distraction, but now it's just like every week there's some shit going on and like NFL soap opera sideshow, you know, wasn't, you know, going on with him and Ursay and, and, and stuff there. But I, and Ron Rivera stormed out of the press conference last week after they won against Chicago, but they won a football game and let's not give them too much credit, but gosh, if there was a team that needed a win just for its own mental psyche, it was them. They get extra time to prepare. I think the extra time to prepare subsides my concerns about Taylor Heineke stepping in. And, oh, by the way, uh, Taylor Heineke really knows this whole offense. He was their quarterback last year. So even if it was on a normal week, I'd feel okay about the quarterback change and not really be that concerned. Commanders, at the very least, keep this close. I I think they have a chance to win it outright uh, just because until I see the Packers get right, I'm not going to believe it's going to happen. So. Washington plus the points at home would not shock me at all if the commanders win this game it has been every week that we've been going back to this well it's it's worked some it's it's lost several but I just I do not think this is much of a downgrade at quarterback Heineke in his last eight games last year he was six and two against a spread this Packers team is just feeling kind of broken, to be honest. They're not defending the run well. They're 21st in the NFL in average rushing yards allowed per game. It looks like Washington has found themselves a back with Brian Robinson. I assume he's going to start yeah, again. Yeah, and, and gosh, what a cool story. Good. All the shit that goes on with that franchise. Uh, something nice and heartwarming coming out of Washington. for Yeah, Washington. finally they... They got a PRW, one of <laughs> one of few that they've actually got. But yeah, the, just the Packers are are not a very good team right now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in his press conference just preaching how they need to simplify the offense, which is you know that that's shocking. one of the worst jobs, right? PR or ticket sales for the Commanders. Oh my God. It's got to be absolutely miserable. You, there's no one who takes more flack in the entire country than those guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Would, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I really like the commanders in this spot. I, I think there's not much of a drop off, like I mentioned. Heineke knows his offense. He's played with all these players aside from, you know, the new additions, but still. Fairly good defense. They're third in the NFL in pressure rate, which is surprising without Chase Young, Chase arguably Young, right. their best yeah. pass rusher. But they're still getting pressure and you know pressure up the middle with Payne and Allen. That's going to give Rodgers some issues. And Washington, not bad against a run. 14th in I'll the tell NFL. You, the corner has looked pretty run. good too. Uh, Saint Just. <clears throat> Yeah, solid. I, their secondary has definitely been overperforming, I would say. 
Um, granted, they played Justin Fields last week, so yeah, I don't know how much stock you can put into that. But this is definitely more a fate of the Packers. They they look completely broken on offense, which is surprising. And honestly, Alex, as bad as Wentz played, like, are we sure? Like, this could be an upgraded quarterback. I I would argue it probably is, right? Yeah. I mean, Heineke knows the offense way better. I mean, Wentz wasn't playing terribly, but Heineke's a bit more mobile, which is important with, you know, how many sacks they were allowing throughout the season. Wentz just looked completely shook. I mean, he's he's trying to I also don't think Heineke makes the fatal mistake, you know, like like if Wentz is the quarterback – Oh, like a, a front door cover for the Packers on a pick six would not surprise me in the slightest. I don't think right. he does that. No. And does anyone in the NFL like scare you as much as Wentz does in a in an important spot? Maybe uh maybe Stafford with how often he throws interceptions or Matt Ryan, yeah. but I think Wentz has got to be like top five. Oh yeah, yeah, no for sure. So uh, another agreement there on a side, uh, and it's the Washington Commanders. Uh, let's go to another NFC North, NFC East game, as this one takes place at Jerry World. The Detroit Lions return from their bye week uh, in need of a win as the Lions kind of uh, whatever – Hard knocks hype existed surrounding the Lions. Uh, I feel like he's kind of dissipated. Lions catching seven on the road. Still been cover machines, though, have the Lions. And a total of 49 here. Also worth noting that this will be the return of Dak Prescott, it appears. Dallas uh, got behind early in Philly last week. And, you know, another Eagles first half. Uh, which we've talked about is just seemingly a uh, week in and week out. Can't do it this week. I don't, I don't know. Can the Eagles cover against the bye? I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're still undefeated. They're yeah. Six and oh against the spread. And, and by the way, like, you know, just for that's got to be another thing, right? Like you, you would think coming off a bye, they'll be ready to play in week eight and cover another first half line. I right? mean, that's that's one you just have to auto bet. I don't care what the number is, but Eagles first half next week, you have to play. Anyway, uh, you seem to think just because of Detroit's against the spread success that the Lions could be a trendy dog here, but I don't know. Dallas is always a public team. Dak's coming back. Uh, I don't have much interest in this game. No, I, I completely agree. I just Detroit. 13 and 7 against the spread as an underdog under Campbell. You mentioned the Hard Knocks hype. Yeah, I think this is going to be one of the more trendier dogs of the week. I think you just see that number. Are we sure? Like, I don't even know if that guy can coach. Like, at a certain point, like, like, listen, like, he covers these games as dogs, but, like, never seems to win. And, I just think if you're a football team, like not right, to go her that, right here, but like that, it's kind of the idea. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. I I think he just gets his players up. I think they absolutely battle for him. So I think there's something to be said. In his with next that. life, he would be a great motivational speaker or like you know like psychiatrist. But I don't know that he's a football coach. No, I think he'd be a great dude to you know crush some beers with but i don't think he's a good 
in game. I don't think he can do anything in game, but I think <laughs> there's something to be said for these guys that can get players super hype. He's he's like uh he's like Mike Tomlin light. He gets these guys, you know, rah rah Tomlin gets these guys hyped up to play for him, but they just can't finish games. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And, you know, they're also still not very good. I mean, it, it's kind of right. kind of the, simple. The talent's also not there. And he's, yeah, yeah he's motivating. They, look, they have some offensive talent for sure with, you know, Swift and Amandra St. Brown. And they're going to get Jameson Williams back at some point here soon, I think. Uh, but the defense is a train wreck for Detroit. It's atrocious. I think that's why you're seeing a number this high at 49, which I think is a bit crazy how that's I like would, a would, super high total in the NFL in the NFL else. now. Yeah. When you see uh, unders hitting at 59 percent, when Feels you like see a total the NFL of, has turned into like every game in the NFL is like an Iowa college football game now. <laughs> Not quite that bad because yeah. like Iowa can score a fucking point, but. Yeah, it's, those big Ted to Iowa Rutgers I saw it was like 35 was the total. It was hideous. And I think the like under came was, in. That was too high. Yeah, that was way too high. <laughs> That's nuts. It's getting All bad. right, let's move on and go to a divisional game in Charlotte as the uh, we mentioned the Christian McCaffrey trade uh, at the onset of the pod. Well, the Panthers will play the first game post-CMC, and it looks like uh, the number now for the Bucks laying it on the road against the Panthers is drifted out to near two touchdowns. DraftKings is at 13 for Tampa Bay as a favorite and a total of just 39 and a half. And again, we talk about how these totals have been low in the NFL this year and unders have still been coming in. And Alex, we talked a little bit about this game throughout the week. My initial lean was going to be to Carolina just on the basis that it was going to be an auto fade at Tampa uh, because the Bucks have scored more than 21 points once this year, and that was in a game against Kansas City in which it's they still lost by double digits. So if you have a team that doesn't score a lot, that is laying this many points, you naturally want to fade that team. Uh, but we talked about it. Given the week that was for Carolina, Robbie Anderson traded at the beginning of the week. Now Christian McCaffrey traded at the end of the week. Uh, it, you know, it, it, the minute rule got fired and, you know, rule did not do a good job, but you knew that the roster was very barren and a teardown was necessary there. And, you know, the fact that we're starting to see trades, I would not be surprised if Brian Burns gets traded, would not be surprised if DJ Moore gets traded. Like there could be more to come in terms of the mass exodus from Charlotte and the Panthers just need to wipe the slate clean and start over. Um, and the fact that it appears as if that acknowledgement from management took place this week, you do wonder how much that trickles down to the players already on their fourth quarterback with the slew of quarterback injuries that they've had this year. Uh, PJ Walker starting again, it, it was already going to be a stinky side. And now I think there's too much trash in the dumpster for me to back the Panthers. So uh, I'm going to stay away. Way, way, way too fucking stinky. This this feels like one of those Tom Brady just scorched earth type of games where he just comes out and absolutely lights it up. 
which the Bucks have not been capable of doing. They couldn't couldn't do it against the Steelers last week, and that Steelers defense is not great. And last week they were absolutely hurting with you know all those secondary injuries we mentioned. I mean, they had like four or five starters out right. in the secondary, and the Bucks still and the Steelers won the game outright. Absolutely, and. There's one thing that the Panthers do well is, you know, in the secondary, they play defense. That's what Matt Rule really, you know, added was a ton of defensive players. That's really the only thing that they do fairly well. I think this game looks to the under. I'm not in the business of laying 11 points, 11 plus points in the NFL, but if I were. You got to look to the Bucks here. Tom Brady, thirteen and one against the spread in his career after losing the previous game as at least seven point favorites. So after getting embarrassed, you have to think they're going to absolutely pour it on. I Alex, I got to say, there is not a single thing Tampa can do to change my mind about the Bucks here this week. Um. It, it would be tough to lay these points, but yeah, like listen, they might cover. Point. I'm just saying, like if they, from how I feel about them, if they win oh, this in general, game, overall, thirty-five-three, yeah. I still wouldn't think, oh, the Bucks are back. Ah, no, absolutely not. I just think the situation for the Panthers has gotten that bad. Yeah, it it wouldn't shock me for a second if the you know the Bucks won by twenty plus points, but yeah, no, it would do nothing for me. All right, let's move forward and go to another divisional game that we're at least a little more intrigued by from a gambling standpoint. It's the Cleveland Browns heading to Charm City to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Cleveland in a little bit of a nosedive at the moment, trying to come out of their recent free fall. I believe it's three straight games the Browns have lost as they will take on the Ravens, who are a surprising three and three, we'll say, as Baltimore uh, loses last week outright at MetLife Stadium against the Giants. And now we're seeing Baltimore laying six in the hook. Higher total in this game of 46. And we both like the road dog here with the Browns. And here's what I'm seeing, Alex. I think this is a very important stretch for Kevin Stefanski between now and the return of Deshaun Watson. The reason I say that is because if he doesn't get his shit together and if they don't start winning games, you're talking about a coach who made the playoffs in his first year with Baker Mayfield and has gone backwards since. And I think he is one of the guys, much like we saw tonight, by the way, with Cliff Kingsbury, where you have these guys that show you some promise early on, but they don't even stay at that level that they set for themselves early on. And they, they, they go backwards. And uh, I think that's what's going on with Stefanski. And I think the point I make about the Watson return when we get there in December is if the losses keep coming for the Browns, I think Stefanski turns into a bit of a lame duck and the Browns may say, okay, well, we're changing quarterbacks. We're going to change coaches too in the off season. So I think that he could very easily over these next two months or so be coaching for his job. And so therefore I, I think you get a game effort from Cleveland here. I think you get the Browns to uh, 
respond a little bit in the face of some adversity. And the Browns aren't exactly the type of team that we expect to to really do that. But, you know, Miles Garrett had been hurt. Jadavion Clowney had been hurt. You know, so getting a little healthier. Uh, Amari Cooper, by the way, has actually been pretty good for them in terms of a pass catching option. And, I, you know, I look at the last few weeks for Cleveland a lot of close games that they just could not figure out how to win against the Chargers and against the uh, Falcons, chief among you, them. And last week they did get blown out by New England. Uh, but as we always say, no team is as good or as bad as it looks in any one game. Uh, so those are all my things for Cleveland. I think a little desperation here uh, with some of the Stefanski stuff I mentioned. And then when we go to the Baltimore side of the equation, I'm just not sure how good the Ravens are right now. And I think they can get there, right? I think by the end of the year, they can still be the Super Bowl contender. A lot of people pegged them as, but they're not that team right now. They're three and three. They choked in a big way. Unfortunately for us, we were on them laying the points against Miami early in the season. They choked against Buffalo. Uh, they had a big lead there. Um, and, you know, you, their other loss last week against the Giants is just not a game they should lose. Even if they win it ugly, they should still win that game. So, you know, and then you look at their wins. Okay, they beat the Jets, you know, before Zach Wilson's even out there. Uh they played pretty well at Gillette, a double-digit win against the Pats, so I'll definitely give them that one. Um, and then they survived by the skin of their teeth, no cover in primetime against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I don't think this team is that great right now. AFC North, grudge match, physical, dog fest, you know, dog pound, well, it's in Baltimore, but regardless, uh, physicality, you know, that kind of game is what I'm seeing here. Uh Lower scoring, so maybe that means I lean under. Uh, but I think a lot of running the rock with the running backs in this game and Lamar, uh, I'll take the Browns plus the points uh, to keep this game close. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just like uh, I like a divisional dog getting nearly a touchdown. I I don't think the Ravens are good enough to be winning a touchdown, but. It is concerning to see that Stefanski is 2-11 against the spread in divisional games. Yeah, but let's remember one of those covers came against the Steelers in a division game this year. That's very true. That was a good good win. That was at home. So it's a little different in Baltimore. But I would also look to the over, actually, in this game. I don't trust the Baltimore defense. The Browns' defense has actually been one of the worst in the NFL, which is very surprising. They, they were pretty stout last year, but they're they're five and one to the over so far this season. It's kind of weird to look at and see that. I just think this is too many points in a divisional game. Can you get the quarterback, the backup quarterback? Can you get Brissett to just you know, play a decent game. They're going to have to run the ball a ton. And Baltimore is fairly stout against a run and not very good against the pass. So this is going to come down to Brissett making a handful of plays. They have enough weapons in the passing game that they should be able to keep this close. I, I like the Browns here. And, yeah, I like the over as well. Let's go to another AFC North team as it is the 
Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Atlanta Falcons, and the Falcons have just been cover machines, six and zero against the spread. Are the Dirty Birds as it's they America's travel? Team. That's right. That's right. America's team is the one that covers the most points. <laughs> Best team the in the Cowboys. NFL, right? Yeah. Uh, fuck, the, fuck the Cowboys. We like the Falcons. Dirty Birds. Yeah, and they're catching six and a half here. Total of forty-seven. I don't know about this, Alex. I mean, Cincinnati hasn't looked like a team that you should give up a touchdown with. They haven't looked bad, but, you know, and they played a lot of close games, you know, last week in New Orleans, week before they on the losing end against Baltimore. Um, And so I think there's definitely a, a notch or two that the Bengals can raise their game on. And, and they've had the moving pieces on the offensive line, a lot of turnover there. You would think that unit continues to get better with some of the players they brought in. Uh, and Atlanta, I mean, I definitely think there's going to be a game. Like, I mean, they're obviously not going to go 17-0 against the spread, but I don't think there's going to be a game where they just get, you know, kicked in the teeth and, and can't, really get themselves back up, but gosh, they're down 21. I keep going that Bucks game a couple weeks ago really showed me something where Tampa comes out and, and you know, I should have mentioned it in the Tampa Carolina game. When we were talking about that Tampa comes out 21, nothing. And you're thinking, okay, like that, I think that was like week five or week four, whenever it was. And it's like, you had already seen enough to wonder about the Bucks a little bit. Like, and it's just the same team. And they come out 21 nothing. you're like, okay, now this is the Bucks we all came to expect, and, and this is also the Falcons everybody expected coming into the year. And then Atlanta comes back, and if it's not for the worst call in the history of bad calls with the roughing the passer on Grady Jarrett, Atlanta's got a chance to win that game outright. So I think the fight that Atlanta showed in that game was really impressive, and you know, yeah, are we buying in on Arthur Smith? I'm I'm kind of buying in. I think he become if they keep this up, and we talk about a bad NFC, like somebody's going to make the playoffs. Right now, it looks like it's the Giants. Like somebody that everybody thought was going to be terrible is going to make the playoffs in the NFC. Maybe it's Seattle, uh, you know, Atlanta. Maybe like Arthur Smith becomes a sneaky coach of the year candidate if uh, Atlanta somehow grabs like the seventh seed or something, and you know, pulls out a third wild card. I mean, they're right there in the standings with Tampa right now. So all that said, though, uh, I think it's Falcons or pass because Cincinnati looks more like a nine and eight wild card, let's say, than a 12 and five reigning AFC champion uh, team right now. So I, I, I can't give up the points with Cincinnati, but. I'm not running to take them with Atlanta either. Yeah, the Bengals just are not a team to be laying this many points. I understand it's at home, but Bengals are not putting teams away like they should be. I mean, they're just not winning games like we've seen them do. I mean, almost a touchdown. I, I think the Falcons are the only side here. Falcons are one of the better rushing teams in the NFL. They're third in rushing yards. The Bengals are fourth worst in opponent rushing yards per attempt. 
over the last three games. They've been absolutely gashed. And that's really all the Falcons do. So maybe the Falcons get out to an early lead and just can hold on, keep this game close. That's the thing. They're doing this without Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts has been a disappointment. And now this is without Patterson, who is arguably their best weapon. And they still put up 168 yards on the ground last week against the Niners, who we would think is a better rush defense than the Bengals have. Although I do know the Bengals have only allowed 27 points in the second half in all games so far this season, and they're all field goals. They haven't allowed a second-half touchdown. So you got to think the Falcons can get up early. I would look to the under, but I think six and a half with the Bengals, or the Falcons, sorry. That's too many points. I would take the under all here, and I would take the under as well. Let's move forward and go from Marcus Mariota's current team to his old team as the Tennessee Titans welcome in the Indianapolis Colts in a pretty important game for early season positioning in the AFC South. It's Tennessee laying two in the hook, total of 42. And we got some agreement on the short home chalk here with Tennessee. Uh, Alex, I wasn't surprised when I saw this, but I think we both think pretty highly of Mike Vrabel. He's the reigning coach of the year in the NFL. All the injuries the Titans had to deal with last year, and they were still the number one seed in the AFC. The playoff loss last year to Cincinnati was the first loss uh, that Mike Vrabel had in nine tries uh, with extended time to prepare. So he's eight and one straight up off a bye or a mini bye coming out of a Thursday game. So uh, that's the situation the Titans are in here coming out of a bye. I love that from a spot standpoint. Yeah, maybe it sucks. You could argue the bye maybe came at a bad time for the Titans because they were finding their groove, having won three in a row after the 0-2 start. But I'll bank on them finding their footing again. I know Indianapolis has been dinged up. Uh, It sounds like they're going to get Jonathan Taylor back this week, which should make it fun to watch these two running backs go at it with Henry and Taylor. Um, But Indianapolis, far too inconsistent for me. They just scored 34 points last week. I think more of an aberration than a sign of positive regression for the Colts. I don't think Matt Ryan has much left in the tank. Uh, And I I just think that Tennessee, the more trustworthy team at the moment, I'm getting them at home coming off a bye with a really good coach uh, inside a field goal. I'm going to do it. So I'll take the Titans. Yeah, the Colts are getting healthier they're also you know jack leonard probably playing this game. yeah leonard was a full participant today as was taylor so that's arguably two of their best players but this really comes back to the quarterback play i i don't trust matt ryan at all he's been looking much better in fourth quarter situations but you know They've been playing in these very close games. Titans are also getting much healthier off the bye. I mean, they got Bud Dupree, full participant, Amani Hooker, full participant, 
two of their better defenders. I really like the the Titans at home. We like the Titans in this spot. We generally prefer Vrabel in a uh, underdog role, but yeah, Titans at home in a short underdog role under a field goal. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play that all day. Yeah, I short favorite role, uh, but yeah. Yeah, short favorite. Sorry, they keep this close. I think they have the better rushing attack. I think they have the better quarterback play. Arguably better weapons, better pass rush. We like the Titans here for sure. Okay, let's move forward and go to the first game in the late afternoon window as it's the New York Jets traveling to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Broncos. We're seeing Denver laying one point total of just 38 and a half. We'll see if Russell Wilson's able to go as there's, what was it, a, a shoulder injury, a lat injury. It feels like there's a new thing for Russell Wilson that he's hamstring, playing through. Hamstring, MRI. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but does some <laughs> but of that... But you're going to sound like an asshole. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I suppose when you have those qualifiers in there, what you're about to say immediately... Yeah, you're about to be an asshole. But regardless... Uh, I find it curious that with as bad as he's looked, now we hear about a new injury every week. Just saying. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. He's, he's too busy doing these these subway commercials, all these God, spots. He's such a weirdo. They're terrifying. It when when did he become so hated? I used to like I used to like Russ. I want him to cook. <laughs> He was an awesome player in Seattle. He was actually very likable. And then he's doing all these weird fucking commercials, all these weird spots. It's painful. You, know, you really sold me on this game, all all Russ things aside, on the fact that Denver's defense has really been playing well. And as ugly as the games can be to watch, they've all been competitive because of how well Denver has played defensively to stay in these games. And as much as the Jets have, you know, certainly earned a lot of praise from everybody with their forward two start, Zach Wilson has not looked good at all for Gang Green. Now going to Denver in altitude against a defense playing really well, you pointed it out. It almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You have to like Denver. Absolutely. I would argue a healthy ribbon might be slightly better, but. I really don't care who's playing quarterback. This Denver defense is stout. You got Sertan. He's going to take away one of their weapons and just completely shut them down. Denver's fifth in the NFL in passing yards allowed. One of the top defenses. They're 13th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. All the Jets can do really here is run the ball. So, obviously, the Broncos are going to sell out against that. I mean, last week, Zach Wilson only threw for 110 yards, and they won the game. They had some special teams touchdowns, some fluke shit, flawed plays. Like, I don't see that against Denver. Denver's one of the better teams. They haven't allowed more than 20 points the entire season. That's the only thing they do well is defend. So, Maybe that will get them in some better spots. You know, you, you get Wilson under some pressure. They can't run the ball as well. 
and turn the ball over short field. Yeah, I'd, I don't care who's playing quarterback. I I would say that Griffin at this point with the injured Ross, whatever injury he's you know quoting this week, it could be anything. But I mean, this this offense can't be worse. So I just want to I'm know if be. his injuries still allow him to cook meals at home. <laughs> I, I don't think he has to. He's got he's got the subway. The subway sponsorships, uh, they're just yeah. crushing subs all week. Any yeah. Anything is better for this offense. So it can't get worse. Agreement for sure on the Denver side. Uh, again, primarily being a fade of the Jets traveling to altitude, back-to-back road games for the Jets to considerable travel in both instances, going to Green Bay and then going further to Denver. So uh, certainly not the best of spots for gang green, but a good start for Robert Sala and company regardless. Let's move on and stay in the AFC West where the Las Vegas Raiders return from a bye week, hosting another team returning from a bye week, the lowly Houston Texans Raiders, seven point home chalk total of 45 and a half. Not going to back the Raiders because they're, this is a one in four team laying seven points. That's always hard to do, but Alex, I will admit, I do think there could definitely be some get right for the Raiders here. You look at their one and four, and uh, the one win was Denver. I believe we both had the Raiders in that game. And then you look at their losses. They lose by single digits against, I think, by five against the Chargers in week one. And Derek Carr turns the ball over too many times. They lose uh, in week two. Uh, yeah, week two to Arizona in the game, they just completely choked uh, instead of one. We're ahead the whole way, basically. They lose week three to Tennessee in a game they come all the way back in. They were getting hammered, and they fail to get a two-point conversion that would have sent the game to overtime. And then they go to Arrowhead, and they give the Chiefs all they can handle. They get out big early in that game. And, you know... I actually was okay with McDaniels going for two, albeit highly controversial. If Josh Jacobs gets another inch, you know, he breaks the plane. Maybe they win 31-30 instead of lose 30-29. to So they were right with a lot of good teams. Uh, you know, Chargers haven't looked great, but still a good record. They were right with them. Obviously, Chiefs are good. They went to Arrowhead in primetime, gave them all they could handle. Um, Tennessee starting to get its act together. And the Raiders obviously gave the Titans a good game on the road in Nashville. So I've seen enough from the Raiders to think that they're going to respond. This is a team that made the playoffs, albeit I don't know if Josh McDaniels is a good NFL head coach. He probably is not going to uh, you know, work out long term for the Raiders. Uh, but as I said, playoff team that won 10 games. Chandler Jones been a bit of a disappointment, uh, but they bring in Jones uh, opposite Max Crosby. You bring in Devontae Adams. Too much talent for the Raiders to just keep losing. And the Texans are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And, you know, I think there's some things that they're starting to put some pieces in place. Derek Singley Jr. had an interception in their game against the Jags two weeks ago. So they're starting to maybe see, you know, Damian Pierce might run his way into offensive rookie of the year candidacy by the time the year is done. So maybe they're starting, you're starting to see some things come together a bit for Houston, but, the Texans still a long ways away and our buddy Davis Mills just looks to have regressed. So I think the Raiders get right lean that way. I can't lay seven points with a one and 14 though. 
No, I I agree. I, I think that's the only way that ultimately I'm going to pass. I, I think you made all the great points. Raiders off a of bye. This feels like the perfect get-right spot at home against the Texans, who are very lowly, but they do seem to fight and keep these games fairly competitive. But, yeah, this is going to be a pass for me. I, I can't lay it. And unfortunately, I can't take this. If this was Texans plus 10, maybe, I would start to consider it. But at 7, nah, I, I can't get there. On we go elsewhere in the NFC, excuse me, it, well, also the NFC West, but uh, another AFC West team as the Kansas City Chiefs travel to the Bay Area to take on the San Francisco 49ers in what might be the debut for Christian McCaffrey. We'll see if he's able to turn it around pretty quickly and get on the football field for his new team. Kansas City coming off of the loss last week against Buffalo, laying two and a half on the road total of 48 and the hook. Uh, it's a tricky travel spot for the 49ers after staying on the East Coast for back-to-back uh, East Coast games against Carolina two weeks ago and Atlanta last week. Now they come back home. It's almost like that long road trip NBA, NHL type thing where the team's away for so long and then they come back. That first game back is always a little tricky. So I would uh, be a little leery of the 49ers even in a teaser leg, honestly, I know you can get them in the advantage teaser as the short dog up through three and seven. I would stay away. Uh, I think it's Kansas City or pass. We like Andy, Andy Reid, good coach, coming off of a loss, that, a game in which the Chiefs probably felt they should have won. They were in control, uh, not massively. I mean, it was still a very competitive game, but it felt like, uh, and maybe this is some of my sour grapes as a Chiefs plus three backer, it certainly felt like the Chiefs were the side in that game, but they do not get the cash lose by four against Buffalo. Uh, So maybe some angry chiefs on Sunday in the Bay area. Situationally, they check more boxes for me than San Francisco, but you know, maybe that CMC trade, uh, you know, fires up the, the 49ers a little bit, especially if he's able to shoot up, we'll see what happens over the next 48 to 72 hours, but it's going to be chiefs or pass for me. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, this is a tough spot for the Niners. We generally like Jimmy G as an underdog. He's 16-4 and four in his career as a dog. That's including the playoffs. They're 14-6 outright in those games. So we just love the Niners as underdogs, especially home dogs. That's a really good spot. I just can't do it. I'm not I'm not running to take these points, especially at such a short line. This is dropped from three. I'm now seeing twos. There's just no way I'm going to be fading the, the Chiefs, especially Andy Reid. Some extra time to prepare. I'm I'm not I'm not going there. I I think you gotta look to the Chiefs here. That's the only side I would look. Okay, three more games to get to. Final game in the late afternoon window before we wrap it up with the primetime games. The Seattle Seahawks head to SoFi Stadium, um, a place they play every year, but they face the AFC West team that plays at SoFi. Uh, as it, Instead of the Rams, it's the Chargers hosting the Seahawks. And we are seeing the Chargers, a 
rather sizable favorite given the fact that the Chargers just haven't really played like a team that should be five and a half, six point chalk against really anybody. They are four and two straight up, but a lot of unconvincing wins for the Chargers, Alex. They kind of gifted the game for the Cleveland Browns and the Browns turned around and gave the gift to the goodwill shop. I mean, they just couldn't figure it out. Uh, You know, Brandon Staley continues to be Brandon Staley sometimes. Uh, And, you know, then you look at last week, uh, the week prior, excuse me, unconvincing win against the Houston Texans last week, unconvincing win against Denver. Like that's what the chargers are right now. And, you know, They've had some injuries. Obviously, Slater's out for the year. Bosa's on IR. The Herbert rib thing is going to be there all year. Keenan Allen's been hurt. Uh, You can't give up five, six points right now with the Chargers, especially against the Seattle team. Geno Smith, I mean, it's we're a third of the way through the season now. Time to start thinking that this guy might be making something out of it. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's resurrecting his career from the depths of irrelevance. So, uh, you know, he's got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to throw to, so that obviously helps. I think Seattle is the side, but you talked about how this number's been bet down, and, and you know, if you're listening now, you missed the best of it at six and the hook. Yeah, I think I got a pass as well, but Seattle is underdogs. Love them in this spot. Pete Carroll. 51, 33, and 2 against the spread. And then Geno Smith has just been a great covering machine. He's 11 and 3 against the spread in his last 14 starts. I think Seattle's the only way to look here, but now that it's five and a half, I'm going to have to pass. Six and a half, I was definitely considering it. I was hoping this was going to tick up, and it unfortunately went the other way. I think you just have to pass this game. This is one of those games you really don't need to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. It's like for a pair of teams that are four and two and three and three, I think I'd, I thought I'd be more interested, but I'm not. <laughs> no, it's just like, I don't know. Is it the East Coast bias? It just It just feels boring. I just don't care. No, I mean, I think we've seen enough of the Chargers, too. I mean, they, they enough right. of their games are shown nationally to where, like, they just haven't impressed me. And it, I'm I'm still skeptical that Seattle is going to continue right, to like, overachieve. But, but are we are we overreacting on the Chargers' last performance against the Broncos, who I would argue has one of the top defenses in the NFL? Like, they couldn't get anything done against them. But, you know, if you can't get anything done against Seattle, then the season's over. Yeah, yeah, which is why I think I'm just going to sit back and watch and not be invested in it and just kind of see if the Chargers can uh, take a step uh, because they're tied with Kansas City in the AFC West, and it does not feel that way at all, but that's where we are. <laughs> no, it, it feels like there's no shot that Kansas City loses this division. Like, I think just watch the, the Chiefs-Niners game instead of this. All right, let's go to Sunday Night Football in South Beach as it appears as if Tua Tagovailoa will return for the Miami Dolphins as the Dolphins are a touchdown favorite at home 
against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total of 44 in the hook. Alex, I've gone back and forth here. On one hand, I think that if you thought Miami was good when it started 3-0, and you shouldn't hesitate to lay seven. And the reason I say that is because Miami obviously had an amazing comeback against Baltimore. Miami played pretty well week one against New England. And Miami, while it lost a lot of the stats, is the only team that beat Buffalo. And now you look at what's going on since for Miami. And this last week was the fourth consecutive week in which the starting quarterback for Miami has been removed from the game. So they've run into a ton of bad luck. And theoretically, given all the, uh, you know, drama and heat that they took for the Tua situation, if he's playing, I'm going to trust that he's healthy. So, therefore, you should assume Miami's offense to be humming here. If you think, you know, if you liked Miami and thought they were real with that 3-0 and start, you should not hesitate to lay seven on the basis that they score enough and Pittsburgh, a offense that kind of has slogged through the mud, cannot keep up. Having said that, we talk about Tomlin as a dog often on this pod. He always motivates his teams well, always has them ready to go. And there's no given. There's no lay down. There's no wave the white flag onto the next game mentality from Pittsburgh. And I think that's also why the Steelers have never had a losing season under Tomlin, because they play hard. And even if they don't have the best roster, particularly, you know, when you look at their quarterback play with Ben on his last legs and this year, you know, Pickett just hasn't looked like he's ready for the NFL yet. Um, they still find a way to win games. You know, they win nine games and make the playoffs last year with Ben Roethlisberger. They find a way last week with Pickett and Trubisky in there to win against the Bucks. So I do think that the Steelers are going to keep playing hard. It still might end up being the first losing season for Tomlin. But you could talk me into either side here. And I kind of mentioned why I think there's compelling arguments for both sides. I think you're going to land with the Steelers, though, right? Yeah, I think that's the only side that look. We we love Tomlin as a dog. Like you mentioned, he's 45-26-3 and three against the spread in his career against a dog. Looks like Kenny Pickett was a full participant today in practice. I would assume that means he's playing. Tua as well, playing. A little more concerned on the, the Tua side just after those Two nasty concussions. It's it's kind of hard not to mention that and think about that. I mean, that's always in the back of your head. Like one hit and they might be fucking done. Like for the game, and it's hard to think about. But you know, you're getting seven on the road. Granted, it's a Sunday night game, so the weather is not going to be a factor. This isn't going to be one of those like Miami Heat, which I think that is what really affected the Bills in that game. Down the stretch, they were all on the sideline really fucking, you know, just not fit enough to be in that sort of situation. That was a 1 o'clock game. This is a night game. Looking at the Miami weather, it's going to be 75 degrees. There's perfect, 
perfect weather for a Sunday night game. I, I think you got to take the touchdown with the with the underdog. Good point about the Miami weather and and the game being at night. Uh, I you know, that's been a problem, obviously, for teams early in the season, but maybe a little less so here. Let's wrap up with another NF, excuse me, another AFC East team as it's the Chicago Bears traveling to Gillette Stadium to take on the Patriots. New England laying eight and the hook, a total of thirty nine and a half. And Alex, it looks like New England is going to get Mac Jones back in this game, although Bailey Zappi has played pretty well in Jones's absence. Uh, Chicago can't do anything offensively. That's we've known that for a while. Um, so we talk often about how low totals correlate with the underdog getting this many points. The underdog isn't always the Bears. So uh, I don't know. This seems like a pretty ugly Monday night game. But uh, you're thinking Pats and under. I guess the Pats last couple of weeks, like you have a feeling they found us something as far as, you know, even though Jones, you know, he might be returning like offensively. It, maybe they're finding a little bit of a groove. And, uh, you know, even if there's a quarterback change, enough of that translates, you think. And then obviously the defense for New England has played pretty well. Yeah, I think this speaks more to the defense. We generally love an underdog at that at that point spread with such a low total, but I think this uh, Patriots defense is just way better than the Bears offense. I think this is a huge coaching mismatch. Bears probably don't score double digits here, right? I would be surprised, yeah. yeah. I, think, uh, I think Belichick can... And skiing this game to be super low scoring. Not really worried about who's going to be quarterback after we've seen how well, yeah, you mentioned Zappi's. He's been playing really well. And if it's Mac Jones, I guess that's a slight upgrade. But I think I would lean to the under the strongest side. But I'd probably play both. Yeah, Patriots and under. All right, there he is, Alex Uplinger with a side and total lean for Monday Night Football. That is going to wrap things up for us here on our NFL Week 7 edition of Full Slate. Alex, before we let you go, I got I need you to promise me one thing. <laughs> Let's hear it. Hopefully it doesn't okay. involve the Phillies. Oh, well, I hate to inform you that it does. <laughs> I don't want to see any more of those Padres clowns dancing on my Twitter timeline. I know you like that video, but those people are doofuses. Yeah, that's that's one of the more cringeworthy videos I have ever seen in my life. I I think it's funny to send to you. I will. Uh, if the Padres lose, I'm I'm out. Okay. All right. Good. Well, I'm sure you're rooting for your boy Juan Soto, but see what to, happens right? in the NLCS, ALCS, shifting to the Bronx with Houston leading two games to nothing. Astros certainly looking like a heavy favorite, not just in that series, but to win the World Series. Alex, he's Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod and at Alex underscore up seven. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Alex, good stuff, my man. Enjoy all the sports over the weekend. We got plenty to watch. Oh, absolutely. Great UFC card early Saturday for those who are interested. There we go. Definitely be watching. See you, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. Again, this has been Full Slate NFL Week 7 Edition. Everybody enjoy Week 7, and of course, please, play responsibly.